Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see your faces, and it's so good to be seen on Facebook, or not. Um, But anyway, um, as uh, Ryan has already mentioned this morning, we're going to be getting like a three-week series um, about the church. And because we are LBCF, we're specifically going to talk about this church. And uh, this morning when we were praying, one of the things that really, really was living in me was um, how disqualified I feel to be here this morning. And um, in the spirit of family and community, I will share that with you. Uh, Normally, one of the ways that I qualify myself is that I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of prep work, but this week was crazy, and I really did so little of that. And so I come to you with two pages, when normally I have six, you're all breathing a sigh of relief right now, like, oh, thank thank God, someone's going to have nothing to say today. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So that's probably not true. But usually the reason that I think I can is because I've read. It's because I've prepared myself, because I have, you know, been in intellectual spaces, because somehow I make up that that's the only way that we can teach the Bible, is if we have read all the right commentaries and done all the research. But I was unable to do that this week. So we're going to engage with the scripture together this week. But also, in the midst of all of the busyness, one of the things that I have been telling my husband, and not too many other people, until, of course, I blabbed it this morning in our hallway in prayer, because was that I'm depressed. And for me, that is like a feeling that I can't stand in myself. I judge it in myself. And the biggest reason is because I, I grew up with a mother who was always depressed, always medicated, many mental hospital times for her. And um, so I've despised it. And whenever it comes up in me, I despise myself. So I think that's probably a big piece of this. Um, And in the midst of all of the depression and disqualification, there's also something else that lives inside me. And I'm going to call that hope and excitement. Because along with the sadness, the depression, the overwhelmedness, the self-talk that I am not enough, I am not good enough, I don't have enough, I, am, I can't be enough, there's also this really crazy excitement. Yesterday all day, um, my granddaughter and her significant other and their two children, they're getting married at my home in June. So she was here, she left this morning with my daughter and her husband, And it was a day of wedding planning and tasting food and having some amazing Maldonado monster cake treats. Oh, man, so many of them. My mouth still can taste the guava cream because I loved it so much. Yeah, but so we ate like all day long. We ate a whole bunch of tacos. We ate a whole bunch of desserts. We we made a meal. And then in July, I get to officiate at a second wedding because I get to officiate at my granddaughter's wedding. How much hope is there in that? Whoa, that's amazing. 
And then the next month I get to officiate um, at a wedding for two women whom I have grown to love with my whole heart. And as John and I have spent time with them, um, just conversing about this thing called marriage and relationship, there's been so much hope even in the conversations. And so I bring to you all of me. And I say that um, every time I walk in the children's hallway specifically, because that's always where I enter the church, uh, at least for the first time in the morning, there's a certain aroma that greets me. And every time I smell the smell of Long Beach Christian Fellowship, it smells like home. And that is our invitation. That is the reason we want to do this three-week series. Because this is, what we, this is what Jesus is asking us to create. And home looks not at all like the world. And sometimes home doesn't look like our home. But God has a home for each and every one of us. And I did Google the word uh, church. <laughs> and because I was Googling like scriptures about churches, like, okay, I know my topic, but where am I going to go with it? And one of the things that came up that really surprised me, which is the reason that I looked at it to begin with, was actually Romans 12. And Romans 12 has always been an important scripture for me, and the reason that it's felt so important is at the very, very beginning it says some things. But actually, it is a road map on how to be church. So we're just going to read it right now, and then I'll go back and talk about a few things. And you guys know I like the voice translation, but I don't, know if, I don't think I've ever shared with you why I like the voice translation. It is a translation. It is not a paraphrase. It is set, it's kind of, they take some things and rework them for more of a story format because it is the story of God, but the people that have been a part of this translation are so legit, you guys. And they come from all different persuasions. They, are, they come from a conservative point of view. They come from a more, uh, what's that other side? That one, okay. From that point of view, they come from the middle. They are from uh, the Southern Baptist <laughs> tribe, they're from the um, Churches of God in Christ tribe. They're just from all over the church, and they came together and spent years doing this translation. And I find so many times this one speaks to me, and so I'm going to just believe that it's also going to speak to you. So we are reading. You don't have to read out loud with me, but please read along because it's going to be on the board up there. Yeah. So this is Romans 12 in the voice. Brothers and sisters... And that's what you are, and your daughters, and your friends, and your mamas. You're so many things, and you are so much a part of my family. Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good and pleasing. So much there, you guys. Not what we find good and pleasing. 
because we all have our ideas, right, on what is good and pleasing. But it's on what God finds good and pleasing. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but what the heck, right? I'm not prepared. Okay, so let's also go back to our bodies when we present them. Remember, we're talking about church. When we show up, it's an act of worship. Just walking in the door is an act of worship. We don't need to do anything beyond that. God will take care of the rest. The fact that you walked in the building, the fact that you opened your Facebook page, the fact that you clicked on that YouTube this morning or this afternoon or next week or in 20 years, who knows? It's your act of worship. And I want to speak over that. It's enough. There are no other requirements. You're home. Welcome. Also, the word transformed here, the way this verb works, is it's a continual. There's an English reason for that that I don't know because I didn't look it up this time. Maybe next time I will again. But anyway, but what I do know is that this verb is continually being transformed. This is not one and done. And when I was a new Christian, I thought it was a one and done thing. It was like, oh, I said the Jesus prayer. I'm forever changed. I will never say the F word again. Wrong on all counts. <laughs> so I'm continually being transformed. It's still happening. I'm not too old to still be transformed. I actually expect to change. Actually, one of the things that I think about a lot with, my, with John and I is that he leaves and he goes to work and I go to work and at the end of the day when we come together... We're two different people than who left in the morning because we've had conversations, we've heard things, we've read things, we've looked at things, we've thought things that change us. Transformation continues. It doesn't begin and end at conversion. So that is really, really amazing. Uh, okay, I'm going to really digress here, you guys. I'm sorry, whoever is keeping this one straight because it's not straight. Okay. There is this, um, this really amazing quote that I posted on Facebook. It's by Howard Thurman, who is a, well, he was, he's passed away, but he was a black pastor and theologian. He pastored for a lot of years with a white man in a multi-ethnic uh, church community. And he wrote some amazing books and made some amazing comments, and this is, a, this is something that he says, there is something that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. I think that something is God, and I think that's who Howard Thurman thought that something was. God is waiting for us to be real. So when we walk in those doors and present ourselves, present our bodies, as living acts of worship, how real are we being or have we been fed and, uh, and, or have we learned that we need to like look a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way? And like if I'm the one standing up here, I have to have it all together as opposed to I don't. I didn't do all the study I normally would have done. Am I still qualified to tell you that I love Jesus and I love his word? And to the best of my ability, I want to share that with you. Do I present myself? This goes on to say, 
The genuine in yourself is the only true guide you will ever have, and if you cannot hear it, you will all of your life spend your days on the end of strings that somebody else pulls. And then to give equal time to a German, German theologian by the name of Jürgen Moltmann, he writes this, wrote this, the New Testament pictures the body of Christ as composed of many members, and we're going to get to that in the scripture when I go on. But in our churches, the body of Christ consists of one big mouth, the pastor, and many little ears. And somehow we have thought that what the pastor says is what's true. And we have bought into that how the pastor interprets scripture is how scripture should be interpreted. But at LBCF, we have a different position. We, we, really, we really want all of us to be wrestling with scripture together. We want us to be together in the word. We want to hear different opinions on what something might mean because that's the way we learn. That's actually part of the transformation process that we are being called to here in Romans 12. Let's go back to the scripture Verse 3 says, because of the grace allotted, well, let's go back to as a result, renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. And I do want to talk about what that word discernment means also. Um, it's a noun, and it just describes a way of judging between things. We're making decisions all the time, by the way. Are you aware of that? Most of our decision-making doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the big mouth, whether that big mouth was our mother, our father, our grandparents, our teachers, our pastors. We have learned to discern in a certain way. But in this whole process of transformation, we get to relearn and keep learning and finding new ways to even, even to discern. There's a word called bias that uh, we all come from. Uh, some other people call that our frame that place from which we have learned. That's the operative word here, to think. And we do that with everything. We do that with the relationships we're in. We do that with the friends that we choose. We do that in our workplace. We do that in our marriages. We do that in our churches. We do that with our theology. We come from a place. Would we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us? Because of the grace allotted to me, I can respectfully tell you not to think of yourselves as being more important than you are. Okay, the first time I read that, I went, dang. <laughs> I want to be important. <laughs> but then it goes on to say, instead, devote your minds to sound judgment, since God has assigned to each of you a measure of faith. For in the same way that one body has so many different parts each with different functions, we too, the many. That's who we are. We are the many, you guys. That's so awesome. We are different parts that form one body. This is, this is the definition of unity. Not that we look the same, not that we think the same, not that our theology is the same, not that we lean to the left or to the right, 
but let's go right to Colossians 1.17, in Christ, in Christ alone, in Christ, all things hold together. That's what he wants from us. He wants us. He's asking us. We're really trying to comply, and I've got, I have to honestly say it has not been easy, and it will not be easy going forward to be that weird little church that accepts the world that God gives us and all that that brings. So we too, the many, are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each one of us is joined with one another. Because I've been here a very long time, <laughs> I'm joined with so many of you. I mean, I'm joined with you guys from, with my heart. Um, I know your stories. I've been in your kitchens. I've, um, I've had a glass of wine with you. I have eaten hot dogs. I have definitely eaten a lot of tacos. Um, we've been together in so many different ways. We've lamented. We've been sad. We've grieved losses. What a beautiful thing. In my family of origin, that is, I cannot speak those things. But I can speak that about this church that I've been a part of. It's amazing. <laughs> and this is crazily what Jesus calls us to because we become together what we could not be alone. I need you. And when I'm arrogant, I think that you need me. But I'm very, very clear this morning that I need you. Since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, it is important that we exercise our gifts, the gifts we have been given. If prophecy is your gift, speak as a prophet according to your proportion of faith. If service is your gift, serve well. If teaching is your gift, teach well. If you've been given a voice of encouragement, then use it often. Oh, man, so I have so many examples of all these voices in this body. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Austin, can I tell a really weird story about you and I? Without, without, <laughs> without you even knowing what it is I'm going to say, you're giving me permission to do this? Okay, so Austin Nation and I have known each other for a very long time. And uh, we used to do a series of transformational trainings, and one of them was a marriage workshop. And we asked Austin to be a part of that team because it's really great in a marriage workshop to have single people who are not married to give their ideas and senses of what's going on because we need one another. I think I already said that. I'm just going to say it again. Um, so, Austin, I will never forget... I think we were in that sound booth back there because that training happened here. And you laid on my lap. And we talked about mothering and we talked about love. We talked about relationship. And never after that moment could I ever not love, care for, and be for this man. And I also know he for me. 
And that was like a magic moment. And I think that it is meant, those moments are meant to be normative in the church, in the body of Christ. I think that's what we, we're called to all the time. Could we actually lay in each other's laps when, when it's necessary? I mean, not constantly, you know. <laughs> and we still have COVID regulations, so. But um, honestly, can we hold each other when we need to be held? Can we speak love words? even when they're slightly inappropriate. Because I think that would bless the heart of Jesus Christ. Love others well. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, if giving is your gift, be generous. Oh, I can't leave that one out. <laughs> because, you know, we're a church, and we depend upon the kindness of the family. If leading, then be eager to get started. If sharing God's mercy then be cheerful in sharing it. And then it says, love others well and don't hide behind a mask. No politics here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, this is a whole different context. We're not talking about that. Don't hide behind a mask. Love authentically. Like Austin and I did in that moment. That lives forever in my heart because of the sweetness of you. Despise evil, pursue what is good as if your life depends on it. How do we know what is good? (laughs) We try and we fail. The thing that I love about decision making is that you're not stuck with a decision. Every time you make a decision, guess what you get to do? You get to like make another decision, if that was the wrong one. (laughs) So that's how we know what is good. We try, we try it on. We try it out. We maybe do what, we do what we think is good, and then we go, ooh, that was bad. <laughs> no more. And we make another decision. So yeah, we learn by trying. It is a practice game. We practice being good. We're called to be good. We actually all know that we're good. There's... At the same time that I know that I'm bad, because that's my big default story, I also know that I'm good. I also know that God made me to be good. Despise evil. Pursue what is good as if your life depends on it. Live in true devotion to one another. Sometimes the only way that I can be devoted to someone is if they tell me what they need from me. And that's such a two-way relational conversation that probably is not going to work for too long in here because it would go on for forever. But yeah, I don't know what you need sometimes until you ask. And sometimes you don't know what you need until I get to give it to you. And vice versa. Notice how relational all of these things are. Notice how it's not just if you do this, then that happens. It's if we do these things together as a church community, then we will be home. Be first to honor others by putting them first. You know, the translation for that one is prefer one another over yourself. 
Do not forget. Let your spirit be on fire. I don't want to forget that one either. Oh, don't slack in your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire, bubbling up and boiling over as you serve the Lord. That means if there is occasion to dance, dance for God's sakes. If there's occasion to weep, weep, weep. But do not forget to rejoice. This is how I began telling you just about myself. Because for hope is always just around the corner. Hold up through the hard times that are coming, that have been here. We cannot negate the weight, the cost, the emotional pain of the last two years. We're actually going to uh, be doing some work with our, we have a lot of therapists that attend this community. We're actually going to be doing some work. They're going to be sharing with us during Lent about that, about the emotional toil, the grieving that comes along with what it means to be in a pandemic and and in isolation. Share what you have with the saints so they lack nothing. Take every opportunity to open your life and home to others. And that was one of the things actually that Richard uh, said this morning in the hallway is how often we neglect to open our home because we make decisions about our own qualifications, right? Like I do, like I am. We decide that the kitchen isn't big enough or the table has got marks on it or we're not good cooks or we really don't want people to come mess our house or whatever we decide and so we don't invite. And yet really, all people want to do is be together. If people mistreat or malign you, bless them. Always speak blessings, not curses. If some have cause to celebrate, join in the celebration. And if others are weeping, join in that as well. Work towards unity. We've already explained what it is. It is not being the same. It is not. I mean, see teaching last week. They were amazing. What my heart took away from what they said more than anything else was I stayed. They were unwilling to leave even a community that was hurtful. Even a community that didn't see them. Powerful. People mistreat or malign you, bless them. Always speak blessings, not curses. What are curses? Oh, man, I could teach on this for probably another year and a half. Um, Ryan, you're going to have to maybe curb me because I thought I had nothing to say, but I have a lot of things to say, so help me here. Um, you, know, you know, a curse is, um, pretty, is always based on envy. We curse people where there is envy in our hearts. And it may not be envy of the person, but it's envy at something the person we make up has or does or, you know. Um, So we curse people all the time with our words. Cursing and judgment are very interrelated. Listen to what the Word of God says. Always speak blessings, not curses. 
If others are weeping, join in. Work towards unity. Live in harmony with one another. Avoid thinking you are better than others or wiser than the rest. Instead, embrace common people and ordinary tasks, which, by the way, is what the Bible is full of for the most part, common people doing ordinary tasks. Do not retaliate with evil regardless of the evil brought against you. Try to do what is good and right and honorable as agreed upon by all people if it is within your power. Make peace with all people. Again, my loved ones, do not seek revenge. Instead, allow God's wrath to make sure justice is served. Turn it over to him, for the scriptures say, revenge is mine. Revenge is God's. It is not ours to take. I will settle all scores, but consider this bit of wisdom. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, because if you treat him kindly, it will be like heaping hot coals on top of his head, which is a whole other teaching about hot coals on the head. Not going there. Never let evil get the best of you. Instead, overpower evil with good. And remember, what we do is we practice good. (sighs) Danny, Pastor Danny, asks this question all the time. He asks, what would love look like, sound like, feel like here, now? I think that's the question. I think that's always the question. What would love look like? Remember verses 9 through 13, love well, love authentically. And then unity. So along with trying to be this, this church, the roadmap, that Romans 12 gives us. We also did something brand new in the pastoral department is uh, when, well, originally there was one pastor and he was God here. And he was the mouth and you better believe everything he said. And much of what he said was beautiful and true and good. And he was an amazing teacher. But we moved from that model to to a pastor with some associate pastors. And early on, I was one of those associates with Brandon. And then we hired in a third pastor. And then Brandon really wanted for us to have equal footing, but he still also wanted to be the lead pastor. So guess what? In that, that doesn't work. There isn't equal footing if one person is the lead pastor. So when Brandon uh, made his decision that he was going to be leaving this community, One of the things that the elders talked about and the pastoral team had been talking about as well was what would it mean to share leadership? And so, um, yeah, so that's what we do, you guys. There is three of us, but there is no lead, which makes for the most beautiful, messy, awful, great conversations in the whole wide world. Everything that we bring to you, whether it's in the newsletter or a blurb on Facebook, we've already argued about it. (laughs) Because you have an old lady who thinks she knows everything. It's my arrogant face. Uh, And we have this young, amazing guy who wears sandals all the time, no matter what the temperature. (laughs) Who who also has, uh, like, an incredible knowledge of Scripture and theology, and who is well-seasoned in the church, and who's obstinate as poop, you guys. (laughs) And, like, he won't leave anything alone, okay? Like, it's like, 
Yeah, I disagree. I'm going home. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, I need to talk this through, and I'm going again. We've already, we already talked about this. <laughs> and then we have, uh, you know, Danny who comes from a different tradition, a different church, <laughs> who says nothing. And both of us will like, look, we are definitely the two that argue more, right? Maybe this is the time to invite you up. Come on up. Um, (laughs) Because the two of us are more initially verbal, but only initially. Because once Danny gets started, he's got a lot to say, right? And then he also gives us like his point of view. Remember his question that I said is the word? What would love look like here? We're going, no, one of us wants to win. Somebody (laughs) needs to be right here. Let's take it out of the love word. Let's put it somewhere else. So on all of the things that I have said, remember, this is a roadmap for church. It's a roadmap for LBCF. This is who we want to be. This is our goal, our aim. Yeah, Yeah, hearing you teach Romans 12, um, I was just over there thinking, like, how much Romans 12 is is the, the, the sort of anti, well, what about me? Like, yep. it's constantly yep. saying, like, I know that you feel like you want to fight for this. I know you feel like this is your thing. But it's like, how, yeah. mu- how well are you able to find yourself in? I was like, if, yeah, I am wearing sandals. Barb wants to make sure that she is corroborated in her, in her findings. I just want to be right. <laughs> you are right about this. Um, but, yeah, in how this kind of plays out, between the three of us is we're constantly asking ourselves, like, how willing are we to set down our experiences or our frustrations or, or even our passions to say, like, how are we all moving towards Christ? And I think that, that becomes a lot more complicated. And I think that that's where it only makes sense that we actually spend time with each other, like actually having a meal. Like, none of this would make sense. None of it would really work. If it was, if we only spent time when we have meetings or when we're planning things, I think that that's where I was like, why is this feel so complicated? And I think it is because it's sort of with the anticipate, the expectation that community would be happening. Yeah, totally. Like we would be sharing meals because if we weren't, I would, we would not like each other way more than we do. Exactly. This is, this is a call to home. This is a call to come home. This is a call to feel at home in our differences. Yeah. yeah. So I just think that even in what you're, what you're talking about here, it all seems like we, can, we could probably find ourselves in any one of those pieces and say, where do I need to put on that sort of other-oriented posture and how impossible is that when we don't share meals share Mm -hmm. wine like how little patience we have to continue doing that when we actually don't know each other yes yes that's um you know there's the churches that we read about in the new testament none of them were mega churches you guys they were pretty much smaller communities because they were set up to be families and home and um 
That's who we've always been uh, since 1983. That's what this church has been. It's, it's never been a big community. That's never been the aspiration of any of the leaders. The goal has always been to be a real community. And oh my gosh, there's so much more that I could say, except there's a clock right back there that keeps me kind of, and I also had Ryan looking at me from the left, but um, there's so much more that I could say about all the times I've wanted to leave LBCF, and I have so many reasons why it would have been good to go. But like C, who stayed? Yeah, so I think now would be a good time to like bring the worship team up and if you're going to serve communion to come up and do that. But as we go for the next three weeks, we want to get into having these very real conversations about how this plays out for us, not as some super smooth, like it's not always, it is very often me having to drag meetings out because I still want to argue about things. <laughs> like it is very much a, well, I don't see it that way yet like I want to talk through this because at the same time that we are constantly called to be outward oriented others oriented I'm like but I have passions I have concerns this hurts my heart and you are transforming me and that's beautiful I have a lot of patience between you and Danny which is great and <laughs> and I which has been fantastic but I'm like in that I'm like there's, that is the need for us to rework the way that we see the church as a family, mm -hmm. as a body, where it isn't just one big mouth and a bunch of ears. I'm like, there's, how do we bring those smaller parts that we've less valued over time, give them room to speak? How do we allow people who have a microphone to be smaller so that we can have room where everybody feels like without all of you showing care, inviting, having meals, the church doesn't work it doesn't work if we don't do right. that and so that's where I think being honest about how messy it is even between the three of us is just a microcosm of like how messy it really gets just like family how messy that actually yeah. is I'm just thinking right now the beautiful mess of Jesus um, putting the towel around his waist to wash Judas's feet knowing that he would be betrayed but he didn't avoid those feet. He was there. He stayed. We hope this teaching has encouraged and challenged you. We always have more resources available at our website, lbcf.org. And wherever you are and wherever you're listening, we pray you be filled with grace to learn to live in love like Jesus.